Father, we thank you for humor. We thank you for the way you made us to be able to enjoy life. Father, we recognize that there are things about life that are not enjoyable, all due to our sin. But we're so thankful for Jesus, who has started a path of, put us on a path of restoration of making all things new. And the biggest thing that has been restored to us as believers is our joy. And we thank you, Father, for that, uh, as we can even laugh and enjoy the many things that you've given to us. Uh, Until that day in which we rejoice fully in your presence, help us to understand and to learn more about you. Help us to be changed in a way that we can live lives that express that joy to others around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, coffee and questions. Now, last week we had a a question that was a follow-up from the week before where we were dealing with um, uh, the uh, um, phrase in in Genesis 3.16, during the curse, right? Um, uh, Well, let's start from the very beginning. The question had to do with when... uh, uh, the 2016, let me go back and try to remember everything that we were talking about. The 2016 translation, oh, that's there. Yes, Genesis 3:16, the 2016 translation of the ESV, that in the curse that God uh, pronounces on mankind, you know, first the serpent, and then the woman, then man, on the one for woman, it says, uh, your desire shall be for your husband. The 2016 translation changed that to contrary to was an interpretation that's not actually far off from what we were saying uh, is likely the interpretation, uh, but I was objecting to the fact that the translation should not make an interpretation for us. It should just leave it as a translation. And then last week's question was, okay, well, that's all great translation issues. What does Genesis 3.16 really mean? What does it mean? And so we talked about um, uh, how the fall has broken the right relationship between husband and wife, and how then the woman, because remember we said that, that could either mean that the woman so loves or, or so submits to her husband and now he begins to rule over her. No, that's probably not it. It probably is somewhat closer to that interpretation that she now tries to resist and so on. So I got through all that. Some of you guys had comments and questions. And I mentioned I have not heard from any ladies. I would love to hear from ladies. So today going to just open that up again just to see if that was the case. I know that at least one person said they wanted to share something. So April, yeah, you said you had a comment on this. Yeah, I I think it's a great metaphor. It actually works. You know, uh, talking about how Genesis alone lays out for us what uh, the biblical model is for men and women, especially when they're married, would be a whole semester long. But but we can summarize it, and we can summarize it, you know, looking back at Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God made man male and female after his own image. Men and women are equal, and we've talked about that before. There's, uh, you know, both are fully made in God's image. Both are fully human. It's worth saying, right? Uh, that kind of thing. There isn't an issue of, you know, like you're saying, <clears throat> ability, and, you know, one is... Um, incapable and the other. So when we talk about headship, which is, you know, the term that we're using for the issue here, uh, yes, somebody has to lead. Are there men who are less able than women? Yes. Are there men who surrender their roles because of the fall and, you know, and the women perhaps, you know, push on that and so on? Yes, all that happens. But all that said, the reason that we have male headship is not because of male 
superiority or female inferiority. You hear that? It's because God made the choice of which sex will be the one that is head. But being the head, I think your metaphor is, is a good example, does not mean that, you know, uh, it, so the, the extremes that we have on both ends of understanding Genesis in this regard is on one side we have, the, you know, the egalitarian view, as it's called, we might call the feminist view or whatever, but the egalitarian view that there's actually no distinction between men and women, they're exactly all the same, and it's all a matter of convenience as to uh, who might take the lead, if anybody even takes the lead. And a lot of these uh, situations you hear people in the last 60 or something years claiming that nobody has to take the lead, which is nonsense. Somebody always does. Uh, invariably, what happens is the man just stands down and that kind of thing. But you either have that end or you have the other end of so-called patriarchy. I'm, the term patriarch in and of itself is not a bad word, but it's been so misapplied. But uh, what people now refer to as patriarchy, which let's face it, there are some believers uh, who are, uh, or people who claim to be professing Christians, who are uh, pushing that model as well. So women, shut up, three steps behind your husband, put your head down, and just do whatever he tells you. So it's not that, you know, it's not either one of those. So, yeah, I think that's a good metaphor that helps us to kind of set it up. Equal but different, that's a so-called complementarian view. Each one brings something different to the table. Together they work better than individually and that kind of thing. So I'm just kind of summarizing very briefly how that works. But were there any other comments either following up with that or, yeah, Chelsea? Well, it's another good metaphor. I like that. And and what you said there at the very end is exactly right. Everything in, in God's ways is not there to ruin your fun. It's not there to actually limit you. It's actually there to give you maximum freedom. Maximum freedom does not mean you do whatever you want. It's the maximum freedom to live with other people. And so everybody, you know, let's face it, whenever you live with other people, you must curtail part of your ability to do whatever you want. The point is, if you follow the Ten Commandments, for example, uh, maximum freedom for everybody, everybody's staying in their lane. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Very good. Two great comments. Anything else? Uh, sure. Yeah, and, and we all are imperfect. None of us, you know, nails that down. But when you are regenerated as a believer, when you come to faith, you change, you begin to see things that otherwise were not there. I, I thought your perspective, Chelsea, on being angry uh, for me is new. You know, I hadn't thought about that aspect just because I'm not on that end of it. Um, but I... I you know, I also uh, kind of wonder if, uh, you know, I have seen women under the other side, the submissive ones, be very angry, but they keep it all bottled up, and it's not something that, you know, um, they're allowed to express. I don't know, they're afraid of being beaten or, you know, whatever, um, but that anger issue, that's that's a really in, um, interesting point, you know, you know. yeah. Yeah, what Rob was getting at. I just had a, I was telling the officer training uh, class this last Friday about an interaction with a guy who holds to this, you know, patriarchal view, claims to be, uh, uh, you know, he's a professing believer and so on. And again, everything he says that he's reacting against, we would all agree with. We all sit there and say, that's a problem in our society. That's a problem in culture. That's a problem in the church. Those are things we have to respond to. So he's moved, or his family has moved to this point of, of uh, complete, uh, it's not headship, it's domination. I think those are two different things. And um, 
And he was, and she was saying, uh, I, I will do whatever he says, even if I don't want to. Uh, and so he wanted to prove it. So he's like, go make me a sandwich. Okay, I'll go make you a sandwich. I mean, you know, that's the old funny line, make me a sandwich, woman, you know, that kind of thing. So I guess that's why he pulled it out. And she was like, doing it. and then he was telling, you know, he was just saying that um, uh, they're getting ready to move and she doesn't want to move. Uh, and, but he doesn't care what she has to say. They're going to move. That is not headship. That's domination. Um, so, but, you know, it, it is always the case that whatever ill we have in society, whatever ill comes from uh, our broken um, relationship with God and our broken relationship with others due to sin, society will see that ill. It can diagnose it just fine and say, this is the problem. And then it offers a solution that is not grounded in Scripture. It ends up also creating problems on another end. So we always have to go back you know, go back to, to scripture. So, good comments. Any, anything else before, or, or new question? New question. Okay. So, here's the question. You know, if you couldn't hear in the back, uh, you go to Walmart or wherever, uh, should you give money to um, a person on the street who's asking for it? So, um, several things come to mind. Let's just talk about biblical principles. It's funny. I was talking about officer training. Guess what officer training was about on Friday? It was about ministries of mercy and all the different things that go into it. And, and it wasn't just the practical, um, you know, here's who's in charge of the purse and all that other stuff, but it was the, the theology behind it. So we are called to be merciful, right, as believers. Now, uh, define mercy. Caring for needs, certainly. Uh, but I can call caring for needs just caring for needs. Why is it merciful? And, and I'm not knocking you because you're, you're talking about what mercy leads to right, which is important. Let's, let me go with Julia first. Unmerited favor, yeah, grace, mercy. So grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is the expression of that unmerited favor. So how can I sit there and say we are required to show mercy? Well, how can you be required to do something that's not required, that's undeserved? And the officer trainees should be able to answer this question. How is that? Because we are, and even though we were talking about deacons, in this case, officers that um, uh, have a special role, we all hold the office of believer. And as believers in that office, we are called to be merciful to other people. Now, you might say it's because we've been shown mercy. That's true, too. That's a motivation. But the real reason is because when we serve in our offices, in this case, office of believer, we represent Christ. And it is Christ who makes the determination as to whether he ought to show mercy or not, not us. You see, so the point is, when we sit there and we argue that here's needy person, right? Person in need. Here's us. And we're wondering whether we offer them something or not and we're saying you're required to show mercy. So the problem is that we're seeing it as if it was up to us, as if the decision of undeserved is made here. It's not. It's made by God. He does not owe mercy to this person. He does not owe mercy to this person, <laughs> to us, right? But he's made the choice to certainly, in terms of spiritual matters, show us mercy, he saved us, and then he calls us to physically be merciful to others because we represent him. 
So it is undeserved favor. But it, when we tell them, why, when they ask, why are you doing this? The answer is not because I'm merciful. Remember, it's going this way. Whoop, whoop. Because God is merciful and I'm simply his agent for your mercy. So that tells us right from the beginning that we are agents of compassion, agents of mercy who serve God and therefore that's why we are to be merciful because he's called us to that. He's chosen to be merciful. Now that said, the question is not whether but how. So when you're looking at somebody on the street, uh, the... You guys know this. Um, even though in Flower Mound we don't deal with this like we did in my last church where I might, you know, come into work in the morning and there's a person passed out on the stoop of the church. We have plenty of issues still even in a place like Flower Mound behind all these nice eight-foot wall privacy, you know, fences and all these, you know, uh, fake brick uh, homes, the facades. The facades are not just in the buildings. The facades are in the, the suburban, you know, peace, the, all that behind that there's there's drugs there's abuse there's uh cheating there's all sorts of things that you know need to be dealt with and as the church deals with it we are to show mercy but the question is how short answer i probably would not give money to uh just hand out because very often that money gets abused or it's not reused properly in sort in so many different ways if i stop there then um, we would sit there and say, oh, the pastor said. So you'll feel good about, you know, I'm not giving it to that guy because who knows what he's going to do. But it's not whether, it's how. So we should be able to offer something, you know, other. Um, one of the things that I've done is, are you hungry? You're really hungry? I will take you. Let's go to McDonald's and get you a meal. No, 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 I just want money. All right, no money. I will go to McDonald's and whatever. You know, oh, I need gas money because I no, no, no. you really need gas. Okay, let's go together. I will fill up your tank, and I will pay for it. You see, that way you take the money, you handing them the money, that goes out of the equation. The other thing is to be aware of the various uh, groups that are in, uh, in town. For years, we have used CCA. Now, the one that you've been working with, Ling? Uh, Heart of Louisville. Okay. Well, yeah, in the moment, I would say you do it the way I, I mentioned, but you can also mention to somebody, here's a place that you can go. Do you need a ride? I'll take you there. Now, single ladies, or not single ladies, but a lady by herself, you know, don't take some dude to any of these places by yourself, but um, you can arrange that, right? CCA, um, Christian Community in Action, also in Louisville with branches elsewhere, and those places can do housing, you know. Yeah, so we had a, a dude some 10 years ago uh, who needed some housing, and so we went to CCA, and we're like, okay, uh, we're ready to go. Got the housing for you. No, no, I don't want to be around all those drunks and everything else. You know, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, he wanted a nice posh hotel room. We're like, there it is. So, you know, sometimes you have to deal with that kind of thing. But I personally would not just hand out money. But because of our obligation, I wouldn't sit there and say, oh, I feel good about that because I've avoided enabling his uh, addiction and then walk away. You know, you could have a tract. By the way, we've got tons of tracts. If you want to talk to the tract king, he's in the back. Uh, Adam, you can wave at everybody. Um, <laughs> you know, but we've got tracts, John Blanchard tracts, um, and others. Uh, all really good stuff. And, you know, it's, don't just hand that to them and walk away. That's the James thing of, you know, hey, be warm and be filled. Hope it all works out for you. Uh, but certainly have something like that in hand. Point them to one of these things. Um, that kind of stuff. So, 
By the way, you also have, do have to be aware that while a lot of these folks uh, do get into trouble and um, probably need medical help and, and psychiatric help and all that, others are professionals, and they make more money than I do uh, out there. So, just so you know. I think that's a great idea. Uh, you know, if we were a larger church, and maybe not much, much larger, but somewhat larger, we would probably do something that I had seen in one of the churches where I was at uh, 30 years ago. Um, in the mid-90s that had like a little food pantry in the building. Of course, they had a a, a multi-staff that was probably in the building never never less than, you know, 10 people at a given time. And that really helps because, you know, sometimes you get somebody come in there who uh, wants to be squirrely and and, and that kind of thing. But food pantries where, hey, whatever you can fit in your hand, you can take in two bags. You know, that kind of thing was the the policy so that uh, if somebody really is, really hungry, you know, you don't have time to go check out the situation. If they are lying, at most they've ripped you off from two, you know, two bags. Uh, limits, things like that. You know, there's just things that we could be doing, but that would be a good, again, immediate way. Now, one other issue, which is we can't resolve it here, but it's just to talk about, uh, as I was mentioning, psychiatric help. One of the biggest problems is that there are some folks who are really in trouble. They're not trying to con you. You can hand them something like that, and they lack the skills to know what to do with it. I'm not saying they don't know how to brush their teeth, but they don't know how to get back on the feet. They don't, the, the wherewithal is not. So sometimes just walking them from station to station, from here to there, makes a difference. Uh, if you want to learn more, by the way, and our deacons um, do a great job with this. Our deacons are responsible not just for the money, not just for the physical building, but also for mercy ministry. And those are broken up, you know, those three areas. Somebody, uh, uh, one deacon is over all each of those. Doesn't mean that he does it all. He oversees it. Lang is our mercy dude. And um, it's a good, good question to ask because we're all required to do that. And one of the things I always tell the deacons is you don't do it all yourself. You enable us to do it. So, okay, I think we're about that time. Uh, so hopefully good discussion. Uh, next week, I think, is, no, we'll have Labor Day weekend, but nobody comes Labor Day weekend. So, but I know you guys do. I'm talking about other people. Um, so we got two more coffee and questions. So this is it. If you've been holding on to it, next two weeks, and then that'll do it. All right, let's close with, with prayer. Father, we thank you for the infinite mercy that you have shown us in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you reached out to people who are undeserving and that you inconvenienced yourself, if we can put it uh, so uh, 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 mildly, uh, when you sent your son, Jesus, and everything that he went through um, so that um, your compassion could be played out for, for us. We're so thankful that you have shown us mercy. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us a compassionate and merciful people that in our gratitude for all that you have done and by a growing Christ-likeness in our heart, uh, we would see people who are hurting with compassion, whether they be uh, the victims of sin or themselves uh, sinners. And, uh, Father, we pray that we would recognize ourselves in each and every one of them. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.